The only memory I have of Tron is getting on the, the RTD and taking the bus to Old Town in Torrance and playing the video game for four hours at a clip every Saturday one summer with Larry Bacharach. And the video game, was the video game any good? Well, I mean, you played it for four hours at a clip. It must have been. It was not very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it was a Voice video game. <laughs> it did have the cabinet that wrapped around you, and you did get to play. It was multi-game, or you oh, had, no. like, one thing was discs, one thing was tanks, one thing was light cycles, and so it seemed impressive, but each of the individual games was not good. Uh, we played the light cycles and the spiders. It had a, uh, a joystick yeah, a and a knob, and you could spin yep. an arm around and shoot at the spiders. We played that one, and we played the light cycles just incessantly. And we'd, we'd line up like like four dollars and quarters on the across the top of the the name, you know, the little edge they have there yeah, for yep. putting quarters down to claim it. And then we'd go to the McDonald's next door and get a Big Mac, and then go home. Wow. That's that's a life, man. Only if you yeah, can play a better boy. game than Tron, maybe, but still. <laughs> The Incomparable Podcast, Episode 15, for December 2010. Jason's Log, Supplemental. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Well, no, I was going to say... Greetings, programs! Greetings, programs! Ha-ha! Greetings, oh, programs! The soundboard. And welcome to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell. Uh, and as you might guess, we're going to talk about Tron a little bit, uh, although I will fire – I promise to fire the spoiler horn before we get into any particularly spoilery details about the new Tron movie, Tron Legacy. Joining me today on the podcast, we have Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hey. It's been so long It's been a while. And John Syracusa. Hey, everybody. And also Serenity Caldwell. Hello, hello. So Tron is back. The, what, 1982 film? Jason, did Tron ever really leave? Well, that's actually one of the questions is that it became this cult movie and at some point Disney turned over a rock and said, hey, this cult movie that was a failure when it was initially released has a has a following and has some sci-fi elements to it and we might have a franchise here. So let's do another movie, which is what they're doing. And, and God, you know, Disney just loves the F word. Being franchise. Yes, indeed. So I remember seeing Tron. Again, this, this dates me. I, I saw Tron in the movie theater. With my cousins, and uh, and I remember it being kind of okay, but not great. And I know that that's heresy, but um, I just recently watched it again. And my take on it when I watched it again was that it wasn't as terrible as I remembered. Which I, that's I, not a big endorsement, but that's what it, that's what I my my, my memory of it was very vague. I remembered seeing part of it at like the after school program I went to when I was a kid, like on VHS or something. Um, and I remembered a couple of the scenes. Um, like vaguely, I remember them playing like video games in the arcade at the beginning, and then some of the scenes, you know, in the in the computer itself. Um, but I did not have like a memory of the cohesive whole, and so I just rewatched it recently as well. And you know, you know, we I sat around talking with some friends after that, and we were sitting there going, "It's hard." Kind of in some ways, it feels like a Disney movie, and in other ways, you're like, "How did Disney like make this? Like, why it seems so weird that their name is on this?" Because it's a really strange almost verging on the absurdist at times yeah but that that was the disney that made the black hole too right 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 that was the one we were talking about yeah escape to witch mountain is another one oh there you go that's that's a little more disney like though but a little creepy a little creepy right didn't have kids it wouldn't we're talking about the original witch mountain here not the one that they released no no the the kurt russell yeah yeah, they did the Flight of the Navigator too. Flight of the Navigator, yeah, oh, that's man. a that's a good example. No, that's when Disney had no idea what it was doing. 
Yeah. They were desperately yeah. trying to figure out what, what was going on. And Tron came out of that. And, and Tron was a flop at the time. But yeah, you're right. Like Jeff Bridges is kind of like a hippie and he's kind of, not a hippie, but he's, well, a little bit. He's, he's, he's got groupies. He's like a proto dude. He's got groupies. He's a proto hacker too. And he's a, he is a hacker, but they're like girls. And it it was, it's, it's a little bit weird because it it is Disney clean in some ways. And yet in other ways you're like, "Mm, and and so the, the, the real world stuff is, is so sort of strange and melodramatic and it's a very weird movie. It's an extremely strange movie, and I, I, you know, watching it as though for the first time anyways, it really was kind of, uh, it was an experience, you know, it was very strange, you know, because in one time, it's a, well, at the, at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, these, these special effects are so 80s, and at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, not that they're, they're like crazy impressive at this point, but there is a certain like, Ah, well, there's a consistent sort of feel and tone to the movie, and the effects are interesting. Well, for the you time, know, they're spe- mind- oh, it's amazing. And, 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 yeah, if you put them in context, they're, t- they're totally crazy. The only other movie that had anything like that was Star Trek II, which was the same period of time that had the one scene, the Genesis thing, which was two minutes long. And then Tron has got all this crazy computer-animated stuff, and it's not the most sophisticated, but it's mind-blowing that they even tried to do it. Well, well you got Star those... Fighter was after that, wasn't it? I think so. Last Starfighter yeah. after, because that was that was upping the ante. It was the same thing. It was no, no texture mapping. It was just shading and flat colors. Same thing as Tron, but they figured they can do more than two or three scenes. So uh, Last Starfighter had upped the ante in terms of the amount of content and how important it was to the movie. Yeah, with the same right. technology. I think was that Disney who did was involved in Last Starfighter. Oh, I don't, I don't know. think it was. I think it was maybe Fox. I don't know. My, no, that's my, a movie they need to remake. My kids watched. Tron with me two weeks ago when we watched it and they liked it but I think they liked it it worked at exactly the level that it was intended to work on with kids which is it's a cool video game movie right and, and they're, they're not really worried about the nuance of character and and dialogue and plot <laughs> or lack of same they're like light cycles are cool and you know that's on one level on that level I think that movie works I mean let's be fair light cycles are pretty freaking cool oh yeah I think I was an odd kid because I, I saw this thing when I was whatever age I was when it came out. And I remember mostly – I don't remember much about the plot. I remember you know the very scenes and stuff. But the feeling I remember, the feeling is is being angry because that's not what computers are like at all. And it was like it was like if you asked my parents, what would computers be like in the future? They'd come up with this. Like, no, you don't go inside it. There's no inside. There's no people. It's, it's a machine. You see the silicon chips and transistors. And, and it just bothered me that this thing that I liked was being co-opted for this movie that really had nothing to do with computers. You well, know what I mean? It was kind of metaphorical though, right? And I know. Also a but like, as a kid, I was – I, I, this was before cyberspace, and cyberspace still right. annoys me to this day. But yeah, yeah. It's about you know the, the idea that we had these great things, which were legitimately cool in their own right, but instead we had to make up this whole other thing with motorcycles and little people or whatever. When just the sheer concept of microchips and, and the possible consequences of them was much more interesting than uh, than this world inside the computer. Well, which is hard because it, yeah, when you go back now and watch it, if you do know anything about computers, like the metaphor definitely goes off the rails at a couple point where you're just sort of sitting there going. Wait, wait, if they're... Somebody wants to talk to you, John. A digital frontier. I tried to capture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Robots. Ships, motorcycles. Yes, motorcycles. Electrons, maybe? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. Because it doesn't exist. And then... Exactly. One day... 
I got in. Ha. That's how the does mo- have some good, it does have some good music. That's I have how, to give it that. That's right? how Tron Legacy starts. That's will, actually from the Tron Legacy soundtrack. I that is how the movie starts. For the Tron Legacy soundtrack. Having not seen Tron Legacy yet, but having or having been a fan of Daft Punk, I make a huge plug for this soundtrack because it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It is awesome. And I have seen I have seen Tron Legacy, so which is one of the reasons why I called you all here is because I saw a movie before it came out. I can't remember the last time. I think Alien 3 was the last time that happened, and boy, that was not a good movie. Alien Three, <laughs> little review, a little spoiler review. Alien, Alien Three, bad. I will defend David will Fincher. Defend by Alien the way. Three, the same way that you will defend No Ordinary uh, Family, for example. I, 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 there's, there's not saying Alien Three is a good movie because it's not really, but there's, there's something there. Newt, there's something there in Alien Three. Newt's like. dead. Sorry about that. Remember the girl you got invested in in Aliens? Oh, well, she's dead in the first scene. Sorry. Okay, uh, now I'm let's move on because Charles Dutton is here, and there, there are monks and aliens and. Hey. Lice, head shaving. Yeah. That's quality. So, um, so yeah, Tron, the original Tron, I, I, the parts that I liked about it, I mean, I kind of like Jeff Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges is probably the best part of that movie. Mm. You know, the, the well, the, the game scenes are interesting with the disc and with the, the light cycles. And, and at the time, especially, it was kind of mind-blowing. But the, but the dialogue and the plot. I want to say how psyched I am that there's a world in which the most redeeming skill would be, like, knowing how to play Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> Because I would rule in the you, Tron world. That's all I'm saying. You would. There, there should have been a scene in Tron Legacy where Garrett Hedlund is playing Ultimate Frisbee so that when he gets into the game, he can be like, It makes sense. I can do right? this. He actually does yeah. that with the, uh, oh, sorry. The motorcycles are yeah. spoilers. Yeah, he rides a motorcycle. So that's a big spoiler there. But just to let you know, he rides a motorcycle. We see that in the trailer. Yeah, we see that in the trailer. Yeah, so. all right. Well, it's then. Not a huge. <laughs> Not a huge spoiler, but I, I I could share bigger spoilers. I just wanted to fire off the spoiler horn. I gotta say, to also throw out just a bit about the you know, it's fascinating to see them make you know create a sequel to a movie thirty years later, right? Like, I mean, and they just did something similar with Wall Street too. But like, I like I love been, that they so easily it could have been a remake, right? But they made it. Well, a yeah, sequel. I mean, like, and they dug up Bruce Boxlitner and Jeff Bridges and all, and you're like, wow, what a well, what I a mean, fascinating. I think the conversation must have been, wow, do you think we could get Jeff Bridges back? Because if we could, then we should do this as a sequel. Well, and then they thought, because... do you think we could get Bruce Boxlitner? <laughs> yeah, he's not doing anything. <laughs> uh, so, so Bruce Boxlitner, let me tell you. Original Tron, by the way, has half the cast in Babylon 5 in it because Peter Jurisic is also in it. Londo from Babylon 5. He's the accounting program that gets yeah, very briefly. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner is great. In fact, I was watching that watching the movie and thinking he's got a real like um, Robert Redford in sneakers vibe going on here. And I read a review of Tron Legacy today that said he's channeling Robert Redford. He's great. I I actually think he's, I think he's a better actor now than he was 30 years <laughs> yeah, ago. No, he's, honestly, he's, he's really he is really perfect in in his part as you know Alan Bradley who's kind of uh, the angry guy on the board of Encom. And um, I hope he, I hope people see it and say, hey, let's give Bruce Box- Boxleitner's agent a call because he is fantastic. And I hope to see him in other stuff because he really did a great job. I mean, I liked him on Babylon 5. But um, in Tron Legacy, I, every time he comes on screen, I'm like, yay, it's Bruce Boxleitner. So, yeah, sorry, I, I've admitted that I like Bruce Boxleitner. But, you know, so they got the band back together instead of doing the remake, which they totally could have done. Um, that said, the first 45 minutes of Tron Legacy is kind of a remake where you, you set up the premise that it's a sequel and then, uh, uh, you know, I'll just fire that off. I'm, I'm going to keep the spoilers light, but I want to make it clear that there are slight spoilers here. You know, 
here's spoiler alert. Sam does go into the Tron world. No, he, really? I know. Again, it's in the trailer. Um, and and what happens to him when he gets there is essentially what happens to Jeff Bridges when he gets there in Tron. He he ends up getting found and they think he's a program. He says he's not a program, but they don't listen to him and they send him to the I'm games. I'm a free man. Yeah, and they send him to the games. And because why do they do that? Well, because the same reason as the original. They want to show you the life cycles and they want to show you the disc game. And so before the plot really kicks into gear, you get the same kind of stuff that you had in the original Tron. You know, so it is sort of funny because the first little part of it, it is kind of a remake. It's like, oh, let's revisit this world and show you how we've updated it. Well, I mean, because you got to make it accessible to everybody who didn't see Tron. Right. And it is, you know, it, 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 I think it is pretty straightforward that, that you don't have to. I mean, if you've seen The Matrix, too, I think you'll kind of get it. That, that's one of the funny things about it is it's very Matrix-like. My friend said how angry he was when The Matrix came out because it was ripping off Tron. And I was like, well, I guess I can see that in some ways. You know, thematically, yes, there's a similarity. But at the same time, vastly different movies. <laughs> there's there's bits of The Matrix in Tron Legacy, too, where you can definitely tell that, it, that it's that it been influenced by it. And, and, and Jeff Bridges – you know, Jeff Bridges is really good in it. If I've got any criticisms of, of Tron Legacy, it's that it doesn't have a very good sense of humor. Um, but he's funny in his – in his uh, – the fact that his character is kind of like the dude in The Big Lebowski. He's kind of this hippie uh, and he spent most of his time, you know, I think sitting in a lotus position and he has to be spurred into action. And, and Which is funny because when we – because I saw that scene like in the trailer where he's sort of sitting in the lotus position and there's a cut scene from the original Tron in which the character of Tron, played by Bruce Boxleitner Yay. as well, is also sitting in a lotus position. Um and like it's the same sort of like looking out over this vista because there's this scene that they cut, which is on the DVD, which is like a love scene, which is kind of hilarious in that it's very, it's the only part they ever take off the, their helmets. And so they have like hair. A love and all scene of a between it's like, Tron and the girl whose name escapes. Yeah, from. Yori. Yeah. And it's very, very weird because like they actually take off the like helmets that they wear and they've got hair and like it's it's she changes into like let me slip into something more comfortable. And wow. like there's this great story about like. I don't remember if it was one of the producers or whatever arguing with the director about like, like not taking it out or something. And he's like, "You have to take it out. It doesn't make any sense. It totally breaks <laughs> up the flow of the movie." It's a Disney movie too. What are you doing? Well, it's not actually a love. And they're you know, computer it's a, programs. It's a, it's a, it's it's a, a kissing scene. G-rated exactly. It's a it's a scene in which you what know they, like, all, pro, the, all like the boys in the audience are like APIs or something. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let's that. not get graphic here. Graphic APIs. I have a question for Jason because. Yes. Uh, Having not seen the movie, only seen the trailers. My, my essential my questions from the trailers. But first of all, the, the trailers give me the impression that I'm going to be disappointed. I think a lot of people have that impression <laughs> from the trailer. But what I, when I look at the trailer, what I say is I can see what this trailer is trying to say to me. And my question is: Is Tron Legacy uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman or Tim Burton's Batman? You see what I'm, you know what I'm asking? Like the original Tron is what or it is. Or is it Joel like, Schumacher's Batman? And, yeah, <laughs> and this looks like a, you know, a dark kind of remake. But there's dark and then there's dark. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like a Tim Burton's Batman compared to Adam West wow. is one thing. But then you go one step up for for Christopher Nolan. I would really like this movie. I think if they went, you know, if this was the Dark Knight, you know, 
Oh, but I have a feeling it's Tim Burton. Well, it, it is Batman. a PG movie. You know, it is. It is. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's Tim Burton because I'm first off not a big Tim Burton fan, although I like the original Batman. But he he's so stylized and and yeah, I, I don't mean in the style. I just mean in terms of like how it compares to the original content, which was kind of more kiddish, and then this is kind of you know the remake. Okay, so I'll tell you. Imagine, you I'll know. tell you about Tron Legacy. What what Tron Legacy is is a modern. Um, 3D and the 3D is good, by the way. It's not fake 3D, and it, the way they do it is is really brilliant. It's Wizard of Oz like, where you start in 2D and then at some point it, it blows into 3D. It's really well done. There's actually a, a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie that says, "Yes, put on your 3D glasses. Something will happen. It won't happen right away. Just keep your 3D glasses on and don't complain." Um, so it, it it is a modern blockbuster. It's a holiday or, or summer equivalent action blockbuster 3D CGI action movie. I mean it is on the same kind of level as the Transformer movies except actually I enjoyed this movie and I did not enjoy the Transformer movies at all. It is – so I liked it. I thought it was really good. It is not a dark vision of something or, or other. They're – you know, it never gets too dark. There are some other, other than the color. You're saying it, it, thematically, it doesn't get dark. Right, right. Color, oh, no. There's a lot of black. It, well, but it's a lot of black and a lot of neon, right? Which is but sort it's of more a, like a Avatar color. kind of adventure. You it know? is. It is Avatar. Avatar is probably the movie it's most like, other than you know Tron. Um, right. And you know, the plot is somewhat nonsensical, but um, but on another level, I think if you go with, if you just sort of say, well, I'm just going to go with it, because it's like, let's introduce this thing. Well, that's going to be relevant, because why would you have introduced it? There's some of that. But, you know, generally, it was really enjoyable, and the effects are amazing. The soundtrack is really good. And, and so it's a movie that absolutely you can appreciate on the blockbuster action movie sense. I think you really can appreciate it for that. And then there is another level, which is the nostalgia level, which is like this is the same world. Um, clearly, Disney thinks this is going to be a franchise. And actually, I, I was talking to somebody afterward who said, did you understand the ending? And I said, oh, yeah, it, it, the ending is that it's a franchise because, it, it, you know, there are things that happen toward the end of the movie that you're like – are they going to resolve that? No, that's for the later video game spinoffs or movie sequels or something. So it's got a little bit of the kind of franchise aspect, although not. A, I didn't feel ripped off. It's not like a, like a book that is split into two two volumes and you get to the end of volume one, or or like the Harry Potter movie where it's like, no, no, the rest of the movie doesn't come out for six months. Yep, too bad. Too bad. Evil wins. It's not. It's not. It's not like that. Um, Anyway, I found it enjoyable. There, there are issues I have with it. The kind of a lack of a sense of humor. Um, the the fake the CGI Jeff Bridges, young Jeff Bridges, is pretty good. A little uncanny, uncanny valley at first. It's, I was going to add. Yeah, I, when I get, watch him in the trailer, you just it's, it's the mouth, there, but it's pretty good. For me, it's the mouth it doesn't quite match. I think there's too many like muscles going on there, and the the lip sync isn't exactly right. But I'll tell you, uh, as it goes on. Uh, you actually start to Get forget to that it's there, and 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 you have those moments where you're like, oh right, that's not you know that's not real. Um, so it does get better as it goes along, but. So, so John, I don't know if that answers your question. It's, it's, it's. I think it does. I think that that's. It's an action I mean, movie, right? It's a CGI kind right. of action it, movie. It, it's not. It's not dark in the sense of the themes about kind of exploring the human soul. It, it it's a real kind of sur- just kind of surface level gloss on those kind yeah. of themes. So the, the like thing the that makes the movie. The thing that makes movies dark is not so much the the plot or, or the material, but it's more, it's more like uh, how emotionally wrenching it is on top of also being a, a strange fantasy scenario. And most movies that are like adventure movies or, or sci-fi or fantasy just get by on their premise and their story. 
But a movie like you know Dark Knight, for example, right, the, the characters right. go through experiences that are that are emotionally troubling, and that adds adds realism to a situation that that's unreal. And most movies aren't going to go the extra no, mile to do that. This this movie does not do that. I mean, this movie is an action vehicle with some kind of interesting things going on beneath the surface. Um, Jeff Bridges has some interesting issues because, especially since it's him versus sort of himself or his own creation, um, the Sam character, you know, they try to give him a lot of, uh, a lot of quirks, but in reality it's your, it's actually like the kid in Transformers. Well, you know, there is, there is a Shia LaBeouf, um, uh, vibe a little bit to that, to that, where it's like the, you know, kid on his own who ends up in this crazy scenario with there's things exploding around him and he shows that he's more competent than you might've thought. And I mean, it's got that to it. Um, but, uh, Olivia Wilde's character, um, Cora is uh, very interesting and has a little bit of an interesting journey. Although there too, I feel like there's some, some sequel baiting going on. Um, but yeah, it's what impressed me about it is that you could easily have made a, a, a remake or a sequel to Tron that was totally cheesy, and it's not cheesy. It's it's it looks great. The 3D is fantastic. The effects are great. The soundtrack is great. It's loud and exciting and you know it is it is that mass entertainment and there's there's some veneer of you know of of philosophy going on there but it's not too deep it's definitely not in fact my biggest complaint about tron legacy is that gaming video games have come a long way since 1982 and yet at no point in this movie do they make an attempt to throw in sort of a video game genre that might be a little more modern this is a video game world as conceived by flynn in 1982 so you know there isn't a first person shooter or a mario that's another way they could have gone with this is is not dark but avant-garde because if you think about the world inside the computer, what we could do for an animated movie today are more more abstract, more like confusing, basically more non-mainstream. Like what would it look like inside the computer with today's CG? It could be ridiculously crazy, nonsensical. You know, we do a better job doing dream worlds and like that that stupid J Lo movie, The Cell or whatever, where they're in someone's well, uh, murderous head. Or what if you know? what if uh, you know Kevin Flynn got inserted? If there was a remake, what if Kevin Flynn got inserted into World of Warcraft, right, or something like that? A massively multiplayer. Well, I'm kind thinking of. World. Like more like the scene from the end of two thousand and one, where like you don't know what's going on, but it's it's more like an, or an art well, piece where you know inside the computer could be incomprehensible. So it's definitely know. not an art piece. This is, yeah, this is as you heard from the from the, the Jeff Bridges speech. The whole idea here is it's a metaphor. The good thing about it is it's a metaphor made by people who understand how computers work better than they did in nineteen eighty two. There's some funny. I saw it with a bunch of uh, of game developers and uh, tech journalists, and uh, there are some funny scenes where where there's typing on a Unix. system. System that's apparently driving some of the stuff that's happening, and there was a lot of laughter there because he's like running grep commands and stuff, and 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 some of the metaphors I felt like held together a little bit based on, more based on what we know about computers today. Whereas the original Tron, you look and you're like, how is that a program? How is that anything in a computer? It's just a movie, you know, set in a computer that has no metaphor. And Tron Legacy, I feel like there's at least some basic computer literacy going on in the background that computer literate people can go oh yeah i see what that is also the text make a noise when it appears on the screen uh, every time a window appears it's all command line i have to say Uh, yeah but even in the movies like this drives me nuts that whenever text appears on a computer screen on television or the movies it makes noise either beeps or there's there's a television people yeah the television people feel like we will we will not be able to handle and, and it appears like a letter at a time, albeit very quickly. Like everyone has used a computer by now. Everyone knows that's not how computers work. It's more dramatic. Why do they keep that doing way. that? Media OS. 
it, uh, I mean, Mac OS X is basically MediaOS, and they still have to add the sound effects. They, they, um, there is a funny bit about open source software and how Incom used to be with the people, man, and now they're now they're more Oracle like, and they're like selling the OS, and and uh, and it gets it's there's some funny stuff about that at the, in the very beginning. So I do like that that because after having seen the original Tron and seeing how kind of as for as computer focused as that movie is, it is kind of computer illiterate. Uh, on another level, and and the, the generation that made this movie really gets computers in a way that 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 they didn't that Steven Lisberger I think didn't get in 1982, and so it's well, it a different world. it's better right I mean it, that that part of it is is definitely better and I I think that the the Tron fan if that and apparently there are those people out there might be upset because this is like you know it's like doing star trek the next generation or rebooting star trek or something like that where it's it's taking something that's only belonged to you for 25 years and now it belongs to everybody except what it belongs to them is not what you remember because it, the world's been changed and extended so there's going to be some some of those people are going to be upset but that's such a small group and i think it's going to create a whole generation of of new fans for this i i actually think this is a viable uh, a viable franchise. They they did a great they did a great job with it. They really did. I mean, the thing about the original Tron too, and this is something I was going to mention earlier is I've seen Tron a couple of times, and most recently I think last year. But whenever I go more than like a couple of you know months without seeing it, it all becomes very vague and very like you remember memory like yeah, images. It, it but is not... like a dream, right? Yes, and that's because there's whole pieces of it that you're like, what is this? What is going on? <laughs> But it makes it easier, I think, to transition into, you know, Tron, the next generation, so to right, speak. Right, right. Because, you know, you, even if you've seen it recently, what you really know is enough that, you know, well, there's a world and there's, there's Jeff Bridges and it's, it'll, all, it'll all work itself out, right? And, and then it's all explained in the opening credits. So Thank God. also Journey, which appeared in the original. There is a, <laughs> and, and over the credits. There is a, there is a Journey um, – there is a Journey song in this movie, which is a hilarious – there are several hilarious callbacks if you've recently seen Tron or have it burned on your brain, including Journey. And then, then your Eurythmics follows that. But Journey is, the, is the, the same band that played in, the, in Kevin Flynn's arcade in the original. And uh, there's even a callback to the door to Encom, the giant door. That I was, uh, I would never have gotten if I hadn't seen the movie two weeks. Yeah, before. that's a weird little scene in the original. That's movie. a, that's I, a know, big door. And they, yeah, they, well, because I, I, of course, I said, you know, we're watching it, and they start opening the door, and I go, "That's a big door." And then they say the exact same thing in the movie, and you're like, eh, "Okay, at least they got a sense of humor about that." Yeah, yeah. So you know, so that's my review. Why do we have our laser directly pointed at a chair? I don't know. Right. You know, these things that because that's the way to get into the thing. Oh, it's yeah. That's I don't how eighties movies think. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, I think Tron Legacy is good, and and even if you didn't like Tron, I think I think people will I think people will like you know, it. You know, you know, you know. The most fascinating thing to me is that this this is you know the Christmas season, of course, being one of the other big seasons for movies in a year, uh, blockbusters especially. I, I love that Jeff Bridges is going up against himself this year because not only do you have two Jeff Bridges in in Tron, yes. but you also have the True Grit remake, which also has Jeff Bridges. There's room enough for Tron and True Grit, I think. There's room enough for three. Oh, I'm gonna see all of Jeff them. Bridges. the The scenes where Jeff Bridges is is against young Jeff Bridges in uh, Tron are are, are really uh, they're really cool. And, and I wonder. I, I'm sure that there's some featurette out there that explains how they did it. I wonder what whether it was a combination of motion capture or replacement. Did he act as himself in the scene and then they replaced him, or did they do it in with a double and then motion capture? Uh, or? There was an article in Wired about it, and I think they used another actor. 
and then they put his face on top of the other actor. So the oh, other actor read his so lines. Yeah. And yeah, and they and they put his face on top of the other wow. actor. I guess it's easier than doing a full CG head. It looks um, because they had a physical analog to, to work with. Right, there. and there they are shots. Actually, they play with it. They play with the audience expectations. There are shots from behind and where he's behind, like the frame of a window, and you're like, "Oh yes, you were saving on CGI by having them there." But there are also shots that early on in the movie where you're behind his head, and you're like, "Oh yes, conveniently behind the guy's head, so we can't see his face." That then the camera tracks around, and you see that it's Jeff Bridges, and I'm like, "Oh, see what you did there? You played with my expectation of that, you being that cheap." That technology has gotten uh, a lot better. If anybody saw the, the Social Network. I actually was watching that, and there's a there are tw- uh, two characters who are twins in that movie, and I recognized the actor from something else I had seen. I was like, oh, I wasn't aware that he was a twin. Get to the end of the movie. Nope, same guy played both dudes. Not they a did twin. Have you ever seen? I did not even. I did not even. I did not even suspect it in that one. That was pretty good. They pulled out. Ellie Eddie. Mills isn't a twin either. Yeah. yeah. yeah the dif- the difference with Bridges is that they had de-age him, right? I mean, that was the right. that's the yeah, crazy. That's the hard thing, part. Is that that's why George Lucas is buying up the rights to dead movie stars. I think that was proven false. Thank God. Well, I have to say, though, that this was the first movie that I really watched and thought, oh, you know, this is getting to be viable now where you really could. Well, and that, and that, there was a fascinating um, sort of premise for a, a movie script that I read many, many years ago called Gemini Man, which sort of floated around for a long time. Right. Which was having – it was like about a guy who starts getting hunted down by a younger clone of himself essentially and they were trying to get like – Harrison Ford or, you know, Sean Connery or someone like that who is kind of has those distinct like, you know, older and younger uh, parts of their careers. Cause that, and, that, and that would be fascinating to a certain extent and, but you know, certainly you just a big thing for get those a young, actors. Couldn't you just get a young actor and put him in old age makeup though? You I mean, you redo- could, but it wouldn't be the same, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be the same person. Young Harrison Ford, there's not really an actor out there that signifies – are we saying take a young actor like Shia LaBeouf and have the old Shia LaBeouf be Shia LaBeouf wearing makeup? Oh, See, that, that's, that's what I would recommend. Oh, because you don't have the same gravitas. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. He hasn't earned it, right? That's for sure. I saw yeah. I saw the the Crystal Skull, and and tra- sadly, I saw Transformers too. Did you see Transformers two though? I did not. I, did. I only saw the I original. I skipped out on that one. And now there's a third. They just released a trailer for the third one. Uh, sorry, an announcement trailer. You know, some people are excited about it, and I just don't understand it. Yeah, nope. those movies are the it. perfect embodiment of just like sound and fury signifying nothing. Well, that, that's everything's on the screen, bangs together, but there's just nothing there. That's and why it's, it's. I brought up you know, Transformers when I talked about Tron Legacy because Tron Legacy again isn't deep or anything, and it's not the greatest movie story, ever made. Right? But it is. It is. I could Coherence. I could understand the entire thing and had fun watching it. And and Transformers, I didn't even have fun well, okay, there's the scene with Megan Fox um in yeah. and looking at the car. I enjoyed that scene. <laughs> Any other scene in that movie, I didn't even have fun. It was like an ordeal to be to be survived as the noise and the the yeah. robots in pieces well, and what are they doing and I can't even tell what's it's happening. It's only stimulating to little kids who just want the spectacle and need absolutely nothing oh. else. They need no emotional attachment. Yeah. They need no following of the plot. They just want spectacle. But I once you reach that age, I, I, I know some adults. I know some adults who are like yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, and these were huge, huge successes at the box office. So obviously somebody wants that. What I'm saying is, yeah, that, Tron that Legacy is a cut above that. It's not going to give you. It's not going to give you character depth. It's not going to give you Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. But it is going to get you something that is more than the the totally like protein free calories that you'd get with something like Transformers. So 
you know, gauge your enthusiasm accordingly. But for people who like sci-fi movies, geeky geeky people, people who listen to the Incomparable podcast, for example, I think they're going to like Tron Legacy as long as they can get over their their love of Tron because they've seen it a million times and it's their favorite movie. If you're out there listening, well, you've turned it off because we said bad things about Tron. So I guess you're not even listening. So never you know, I was kind of disappointed that uh, that Pixar didn't do Tron because I've always been rooting for Pixar to take off the kid gloves, so to speak, and do a photorealistic CG movie with people, which they'll eventually get there, right? And and not a kid's movie, like a drama. So Tron fits that perfectly. It's CG. It's mostly inside a computer. You can do it as kind of a young adult, adult movie, PG, PG-13, but totally CG. And, and Tron... the story, I feel like, would be a lot better if Pixar did it because the Pixar level of story is like... Avatar is like your cliche story, like fun, rip off a million yeah. other movies. It's a cliche story. It's done workmanlike. It's fine. Uh, Pixar is take a, you know, prototypical story and, and heighten it and like bring it up to the next level. So you could, if you gave Pixar Tron and gave the, and told them this is going to be your first uh, PG, PG-13 photorealistic movie with humans in it, uh, go to town. I feel like they would have done a much better job than these guys did. Not that I'm saying this is a bad movie. I feel like uh, Jason's assessment still makes me want to see it and I probably will see it but I just think about what might have been you know well I'm not sure that the Pixar thing works though if you, if one of the things that is interesting about Tron is that you've got real people in a computer in a computer world um, that if everybody's oh. CGI well it, it's an interesting everything idea. in the computer should be of the computer I mean that's what they were trying to do with those stupid suits with the black lights yep. and everything in, in the original right it's supposed yep. to look like you're in the computer and the fact that they're flesh and blood is a demerit in my opinion now I'm saying photorealistic people like uh, Jeff Bridges face is basically a CG yep. mask laid on Absolutely. top of another actor anyway so I'm saying we're not maybe you're not there yet but maybe another five ten years when is Pixar going to do the photorealistic humans in a drama See, uh, that, a sci-fi drama that's what I'm waiting for I'm I'm kind of torn about that because honestly I don't know if that really adds anything because it it kind of feels to me like you're basically re- what what are you really accomplishing in that point you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on doing something where you could basically put a bunch of humans well, it, in front it, of a camera it's, it's not a it's not a technology stunt it's kind of like well what are you accomplishing by you know making the Incredibles on a computer well there are things you can do in animation that just because I say photorealistic it means what I'm trying to say is not uh, cartoonish it doesn't mean you can't do things that are only possible in animation and in fact in Tron you should do things that are only possible in animation because you should be doing things that are only possible in the world of the computer turn people inside out you know have them grow and shrink do whatever you need to do that would be unfeasible with actual right. actors. You got to get. I mean? You got to get over the. And I think Pixar. Yeah. I think Pixar has shown. And and but Pixar has shown that they can humanize anything. They can humanize, uh, you know, uh, uh, monsters. They can humanize little robots. Well, I feel like they could humanize humans too. But Jeff Bridges is not. <laughs> Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy is not there yet. It's closest, closer than uh-huh. I've ever seen it. But it's still not there. And until you can get over that, if, if once they get over that, I think you you may see. You may see that Pixar's philosophy right now is that I mean they've actually gone I think less realistic with their characters recently. Well, but but think of something like Gollum, right? That's not human, but it's it's borderline. Like he yeah. worked as a character because sure. he avoided the well, uncanny valley by not being the blue human people enough. in Avatar. But he was like yeah. he was a person though, right? Yeah, you know, like, there was a person Avatar behind it. But still, you yeah. look that's, at that's Gollum. Thing. You look at Gollum now, and it's really it's really hard to watch. To be perfectly honest, going back and vi- revisiting those movies, I still think it's a good performance. Oh, it's the, a good the, performance, the key is that it's an it's an actor performing that. It's not, you know, there's the line between an actor doing a performance and an animator making the performance. Like those will either start to blend, and depending on the movie, it'll go in one direction or another. So, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not that kind of, of person. 
and I, and I don't particularly, you know, I go back and rewatch a lot of old movies and, you know, I, although it's sometimes jarring, I honestly don't find that as noticeable if it fits sort of within the frame of the movie. So I still think Gollum looks pretty good, honestly, you know, at least in the frame of that movie. Um, it doesn't really pull me out of it. And like John says, I think that, I think the performance is the important part. And I, I'm willing to look still beyond works the, as the character, even if he yeah. looked awful, like Yoda does not look good, but Yoda's character it still works in Empire. I right? will, I will, but I will argue. Yeah, I will argue a hundred times that he looks better than the CGI version. Oh of yeah, him. he oh, does. Absolutely, that's, that's, there, no question, yeah. right? He still, just just, I still the, buy him as a person, as a person no. in in Empire, just because of the. That's and, not a fair comparison because everything about the prequels is worse <laughs> in every possible way. So that it stands to reason that this would be one of those things. <laughs> I actually kind of like the CG Yoda. That's one of the only things I do no, like about the prequels. So. Oh, the only God, reason no, to like the CG awful. Yoda is to oh. watch the CG Yoda beat people up with lightsabers. That's, That's not, not a reason. Uh, he the whole point is he doesn't need to beat people up. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually he's, like it better when he in that. There's that scene where he's walking in. The, is it the second movie or maybe it's the first movie? It's the like end of the first movie where he's walking the, the along walking. in a scene with other people and it's just him and and you can just see him walking. That's the one where I'm like, oh yeah, Yoda's walking. Um, you know, still think that's like in a wide. Worse one than Frank I'm with Oz John. I'm with John on this one. Frank Oz is a genius. Whatever. <laughs> Frank Oz. This is podcast is over. Frank Oz is a genius. Yeah, we'll get there. I, it's just a Pixar. You know, Pixar. It, it is a challenge for all the all the CGI people now that they're at the point where they could make people that look like people, and it would creep people out. So they've had to back off. And I'm wondering, uh, to John's point, when we get there. Where somebody says we're going to take a leap and we're going to do something that really looks like reality and looks like real actors and and not stylized in a way to say this is animation. And well, I mean, it doesn't like that's why Tron works because it's you don't have to make it real, real, real life because things should happen inside the computer that are not possible in real life right. and you'll buy them because of the the, the the context. But you do have to do that that first leap of saying, look, we're going to make a whole movie CG. There will be nothing real in this movie. We're going to call it Toy Story. That's one leap. The next leap, I think, is someone finally getting the guts to say, we're, we want this to look as real as it possibly can and maybe the only cheat we'll have is that we'll do it in a context where unreal things can still yeah. happen. I mean, did you see the Final Fantasy movie? Yes, I did, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and I saw that go. because I, I knew it would be awful. But I'm saying, hey, at least someone had the guts to try it. They I failed mean, miserably, the but only, they tried. The only real problem that I see is when you run into the squash and stretch problem, which is that animation fundamentally is built upon squash and stretch. And if you're trying to make photorealistic humans, you don't really have that power of being able to animate their faces and such. Well, it's software, right? I mean, one yeah. of the things that Pixar is, uh, and I think a lot of these companies do, is they write software that that does muscle you know, muscle synthesis, and they're. they're Aren't you saying that the squash and stretch is what makes the animation expressive? It's like a lot of the animators' art. I, I, when, when you do CG, I think you have to move more towards the actor's performance than the animators, because the animators want to squash and stretch to make right. actions look look animationy, and they're more dramatic and well, interesting, but right? They're also but you can't do that when you have. Right, but you can't do that with a rigid body thing like a human that's supposed to be real. In that case, you're mostly doing performance capture, and the animators are only there to make sure there's no hitches in the performance. Which is right. why I'm kind of hesitant about the whole thing, where it's just cause... you'll end up with you'll end up with a movie that's got a, again a golem type in it, which is it's an actual actor performance or or Avatar actually actual mm -hmm. actor performance yeah, with uh, motion capture. Exactly. I mean, the Avatar the performances were I, I still they weren't 
they weren't as expressive as Gollum. I felt like the faces were more uh, were, were, had less. Well, they were going for freedom. realistic. Well, and the blue people were designed. Right, they were, they were, the Navi were designed to. I remember their name. They, they were designed <laughs> right. You're, if you if you know the limitations of your of your animation, you're going to design your characters to yeah. to hide the limitations, which mm-hmm. you can't do right. with the human with a pure human, but you can do with blue people or or uh, or hobbits hobbitses. Or whatever Gollum is, he's not a hobbit. X X X Hobbit. He's not a hobbit. He's like a, a river river person it, or something. It, it'll be interesting to thing. see what the Hobbit looks like. Speaking of the Hobbit, to see how far they've come, because like if for for Lord of the Rings, Gollum was really the only major CG only character. But they had a lot of other characters that like the Hobbits. They put rubber feet on them just because it's unfeasible to do CG feet for all the things, right? But at a certain point, you can do those easy things, and people don't notice anymore. Like in in movies that you don't think have any CG, CG they have tons of CG in them. They're just in places where you don't notice, right? Set and that's set kind extensions of, you know, and mm-hmm. background fills and stuff, like or, or that. even just like yeah. And once you can do like well. The rubber feet look kind of not great in some scenes in Lord of the Rings. If they could have replaced those rubber feet with better looking CG feet, and you just would have assumed they're good looking rubber feet, like that's a win. I feel like for overall not taking you out of the movie. I don't know. I, I, it's gonna I, it, it, the expense. You know, maybe maybe sometime. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm I, saying eventually it becomes that's to why do they do the, the backgrounds because it becomes cheaper to do it in the computer, and nobody notices. Literally nobody notices. It is 100 percent as good. Whereas occasionally you notice the rubber feet, you know, or occasionally a close up, you know, you notice some pancake makeup and a little line on the edge of a wig because you know you shot eight million hours of footage and sometimes yeah but would it lose its charm i mean you look things. at something like back to the future and wouldn't back to the future be so much more not as cute if all of the faces were digitally aged as well opposed to- i mean well, all you have to it, do it, is it'll have all the, the charm it, it'll have all the charm you want when we're watching holographic movies that we stand in the middle of be, yeah. oh you remember those 2d movies where you weren't in the middle of it and it wasn't hologram well, john, by, the, by, john by this by this argument i think you say you know you could say that the special editions of star wars were unvarnishedly good because they updated with cgi and I would argue that they were there is so something... awful. Well, they, every exactly. See, I knew every I get you on that one. Way. But I think that I think the issue is that you know there's there's something to the CGI in many cases that still feels sterile. Well, like it's 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 it about knowing when to use it and when not to use it. And the answer in Star Wars when to use it was never. <laughs> Well, but that's... Oh, no, 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 I mean that's not entirely fair. There are there are there are things that the CGI you can you, you can use better. it to clean up the optical compositing, and that's it. But that's but that's a good point though. I mean, so much of Star Wars's magic was all of the mats and all of the miniatures. No, take... no. You can't, but it has to be internally consistent though, because if you have an entire movie that's made with like Tron, you can't put practical effects into the middle of Tron. It will look well, out no, of place. There are you can't practical... put CG effects into. There are practical you know, effects can't... in Tron Legacy though, because all of the suits are done with LED lights, and they aren't like CGI composited well, onto. But the I people. mean, like the, the light bikes where they build a full size model of a light bike that the guy climbs into, and then they cut to the CG light bike. I really doubt that they did that, but and when they do do that, it tends to stand out. You want a movie to be internally consistent and of its time. So if you have a practical effects movie and you throw in something that you know was not possible and that doesn't fit with the rest of the movie at all, because you could never actually show you know this model from this angle because we didn't have the technology, it sticks out like a sore thumb and add to the fact that all the CG in Star Wars was done very early, relatively speaking, in the age of CG and just looks horrible, horrible. And right. That's and that's things. the biggest problem with it is now it looks like it looks dated because it was done on like a Mac and, and the planets. Well, yes and no. I mean, some of the stuff I think I'd argue and there are there are parts of the original uh, the Death Star fight in the original the Star Wars special edition. Uh, a New Hope special edition that actually don't look too bad, and especially if you go back and look and compare them at the models, yeah. they are clearly technically superior. Yes. Whether well, or not well, they're well, better, <laughs> see now my my when I was shouting down poor Ren who's sitting across from me, I my point was just, you know, 
maybe they're nostalgic reasons why you like seeing the mat lines on the X-Wings as they go by, but that's not, I mean, that, the, that's no, I'm not the appeal. I'm saying erase the mat lines. I'm just saying you can't add no. an entirely new CG X-Wing because there weren't enough on the screen. No. I, I, I don't you know. Fill I, the room I with mean, more Star Troopers. I, I feel like that's a that's an argument about uh, my where that argument wins for me is that George Lucas keeps backing, you know, going back over his work again and again and again. Yeah, he's and, he's and altering the content. It. That is that is the worst sin that he is actually altering. The well, content. I mean, because it's a slippery slope, right? It started with let's spruce up the X-wing fights, and it turned into you know Greedo shoots first. You know, yeah. I, I right? Think that once you start like tapping into yeah. that power, so I bought it's seductive. It's like the dark side. I bought the I bought the um, the uh, Star Trek um, HD. Um, uh, the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are the ones with the redone. Well, you actually effects. can watch it with the redone special effects or not. The reason they redid the special effects is that they did those this, are fascinating. They did this HD transfer, and the, the since it was all shot on film, it looks great. And they restored the the film, and it, it's amazing to see Star Trek in HD um, because it's better than it's ever looked because it was only broadcast on NTSC in the day. But um, they redid the special effects partly because the special effects, they didn't have very many. They were extremely limited. It was TV in the 60s trying to do a sci-fi show with special effects. And so they tried to be, you know, and some of them work and some of them don't. But what I like about it is they tried to be faithful to what they were trying to do and what they wanted to do but kind of couldn't pull off. And some of it was about science. It's like they showed these planets that people were supposedly living on with a breathable atmosphere and it looked like a gas giant because that was the shot they had and they made it. They they were able to build a planet with terrain and and, and use that instead. And I actually like like that. But the reason that – that I like it is because they were very restrained and they, they give you the option to do either one and also because I think they wanted to reach another audience and, and the, the really terrible, terrible effects of, of the old Star Trek while nostalgic to some, you know, when I watch those with my kids, I show them the ones with the new effects because um, it, it helps uh, and, and it helps – it's what they're used to in a, in a way. Uh, the funny thing is they did fix some errors in the Star Trek. There's a scene where um, – Mr. Sulu is looking at his chronometer and it's winding backward and it, it and it's wrong. Oh yeah, and it, and it yeah. doesn't work right. And they just they just replaced it with and and it doesn't offend me because it always offended me that they got it wrong and that it was also a series of discs that were spinning and now it's a readout that ticks backward and it's way better. So you know I I, I understand the purest argument um, and I understand the argument that you use the tech to kind of clean up what was there. At the same time, I kind of appreciate the fact. That they went through episode by episode and did new HD versions of those special effects that really fit more with like what I imagined Star Trek was trying to do instead of that one shot of the Enterprise hanging there with a funny angle and the little phaser beam coming out of it flashing on and off to something where you could actually like see the other ship and it, it had perspective and it was obviously not a model hanging on a string. Well, I think it's all about well, the, key, the key is they let you have the original still though too. You True. Said right. Unlike George, well, because yeah. they would get they would get no, lynched. It's all about right. <laughs> That solves almost all problems. It's like, look, we've we've got a cleaned up version and we've got the original and you get to pick which one you want. But not giving a choice at all is just that's what gets people angry. Yeah, it's all about respecting the original source material. I mean, if you if you were to go into the original Star Trek and then instead of, you know, doing these 3G or these uh, 3D CGI models, trying to put it in with the same like CGI model that you used in the Star Trek movie that came out last year and then saying, oh, yes, this is in the same universe as this. Oh, right. You replace the Enterprise with the Enterprise from the J.J. Abrams exactly. movie. Oh, yes. It's like it's, it's all about <laughs> oh, my perspective, God. Murder. Murder. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. 
Right. Perspective and respect. That, that is excellent, an excellent point. Well, every, well everybody knows get away with that because if, Roddenberry's if you, dead. If you, know your, if you know your continuity, you will know that the incursion by Nero in the past changed the timeline, which obviously altered the design aesthetic of the Federation starships. Go. Andy Anako does that voice better than I do. But anyway, yeah. But it was a lovely homage. He does. He does that perfectly. He does indeed. It's because sometimes he Although he's it. just aping the comic book guy, so it it's is, like three it levels is, of separation. Yeah. It from is the comic original. book guy. That's right. But it is it is the amounts of uh of uh bending over backward that Star Trek fans do to explain why the Enterprise looks way cooler and modern in JJ Abrams movie is uh amusing because it, it's because it's cooler. That's why it looks End like that. End of story. <laughs> Timeline change. Yeah, well, Timeline. It didn't work didn't work for Star Trek. Didn't work for Star Wars. No. Mm-mm. Well, they didn't Nothing reboot it, cooler. right? It's all just about well, – yeah. Lucas, you know what Lucas wants to do with – the whole podcast we have to do about Star Wars. But what he wants to do with the, the originals is make – is flatten them out so that they're exactly as flat as the prequels so that they're all yeah. considered equal and that you'll just view them from one to six. And, you know, and who knows? Maybe he'll be on the right side of – History there, not not he'll be he wrong. Will not be on the right but side I don't think history. he will I mean, because uh, those movies are. You know, I I am not saying I wish for the guy to die because yes, that's a little yeah. strong. But could he be declared incompetent? <laughs> could he be declared incompetent and have like could we take it away but, from him somehow? I'm because say, I think yeah, that's part of how they get away though, with it. They get away with it in Star up. Trek because Roddenberry's dead and it's basically controlled by what Paramount mainly Paramount studios. People just want to. It's controlled by a committee, right? They and and people come to them and say, if if we do this and don't put in the original stuff. We are going to get screwed, right? Well, what they did with like, Star Trek we, was say we're going to go find a producer who we trust, and we're going to give it to him and say, "Do what you know, do the right thing here." And then, and J.J. Abrams brought on his who doesn't know who's a Star Wars guy and actually doesn't know from Star Trek. He brought in his his buddies who are all Star Trek fans, and they said, "How can we do right by this franchise?" Whereas George Lucas, you know, again, right, accidentally created about, this like, thing. They, the original, like the remastering, the original ones. Like oh, okay. They, you know, the reason that they put in the old, like they give you the choice, right, of the new version and the old version, is because they knew that they knew people like that. And there's, and there's Whereas George Lucas saying, has, oh like, no, I don't want to give him that. Right, but and George you, Lucas has a, like, want, a philosophy, even though I know right? It would sell no. <laughs> Yeah, what? yeah. Well, George Lucas is holding to some sort of bizarre, misguided well, principle. For him, like, he oh. sees unfinished, you know, problems, and that's all no, he can at this see point when he now looks it's at like the a... originals is problems. Right, but it's, it no, should be out of his hands yes. because now it's like you know, well, you don't like my taste, therefore I'm taking my taste and shoving it down your throat. <laughs> well, because I like these this way, and you don't. And then now, now it's like it's stubborn. It's, it's only like going to get worse. Like, it's only going to get worse because the well, next thing that's going to happen is they're going to do the three D the three D versions, which they're working on now. They're going to artificially three D all of it. And then die eventually. And mark my words, what's coming coming after that? CGI versions of Star Wars with the original characters. I'm saying he will die. The rights will go up to somebody and they will reboot Star Wars. No, no, they're going to keep him alive Vader style, man. He's more more machine than man now, twisted and evil. I think he's already reached that point, Dan. So how about that, Tron? <laughs> As we sorry, say, you went into Star Wars. I couldn't no, help it's, it. It's, you can't touch Star Wars; it, it unravels like a sweater. <laughs> it, it's good. It mustn't be touched. It mustn't even be. Don't even look at it. It mustn't be played. Avoid your eyes. <laughs> um, John and I will have a whole podcast where we just yell at each other about Star about, Wars, even when we're even when we're agreeing. We, that, we need to we need to find somebody who disagrees <laughs> with us so we can both shout them down. What now? What would they? Would they? What would they be for? 
other than they all that pro, is wrong they would be pro-prequel pre, pro in yeah. any possible way or they uh, would try to argue that Empire is not the best any one of those things well my daughter my daughter special obviously needs to come on the next well, podcast because she likes the one with your daughter and she you know presumably I'm just picturing I'm picturing like us like there's a great scene in the in the Simon Pegg sitcom Spaced where it's like a shot full on of Simon Pegg and he's yelling and he's yelling about how bad like you don't know how good it was you just love this jar jar and all this and then it cuts back and it's like a like a seven year old boy's lip quivering. Yeah. I'm kind of picturing that's what it'd be like if we argue with your daughter. Yeah, honey, sit here, and these men are going to yell at you over Skype. Just put the headphones You're just on. Nod. And she'd just walk away, listen to her Taylor Swift album instead. But the Ewoks, they like those Ewoks. Honestly, honestly, the prequels. That's what the that's what the first prequel, especially that 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 is a great movie if you're five. Or yeah. seven. I like the Still pod racing in episode one. Oh, it was a great movie when you're five or seven. Kiki's delivery service. That's a great movie when you're five or seven. Wow, well, we, we need to do. Great movie actually is. I like great a movie is a great movie. I'd like to apologize again to the incomparable listeners because once again we've come up with a topic for a future podcast, which is Miyazaki, which we're going to have to do because mm. Kiki's delivery service. I love, love, love that movie. That is one of my favorite movies and kids' movies, and I recommend it to people all the time. It's also one of the only movies I've ever seen that um, that doesn't really have an antagonist at all. There's no bad guy in that movie. Life is the antagonist. Yes, and Phil Hartman That's is deep. the voice of a cat. That's- that was deep, yeah, um, and that makes everything. We could talk lovely. about dub, dubs versus subs. And, uh, and yeah, I would, I would, I would have to side with the, the subs there. Sorry, I, I, a long time anime fan. Dubbing. Phil Hartman bad. is the voice of the cat. Dubbing so bad. Wow, there's a whole other podcast to be yeah. done there. But, but for now, I think we'll have to uh, to say goodbye, or more appropriately, end of line. So I'd like to thank my guests, Serenity Caldwell. <laughs> Serenity Caldwell. Thank you, Jason. Uh, did you hear the grid? Is uh, I could play the grid speech again. No, nobody no. wants to hear that. No, it's okay. Um, Greetings, program. Dan Morin, thank you. Uh, you're gonna someday. You're not gonna say thank you. You're, not, you're just gonna tell me to get off this podcast. But thank you until that point. And uh, well, you're welcome. And uh, and John Syracuse, thanks for for being here and fighting the good fight uh, against yep. George great, Lucas. Great to be here as always. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, separate podcast. That's right. It's like we did two podcasts at once. It's shocking how this two, happened. Two, two podcasts It's amazing. More. All right. Well, I, I say we didn't do Star Wars at all, and we will do it at a later time. Oh, we will. Yes. the surface. Oh, barely. Oh, a podcast. We're going to have to do a whole a series, series yeah. of Star That's Wars right. podcasts. I, I got a name for it, by the way. Yeah. The Incomparable versus George Lucas. All right. It could be a special spinoff. Oh, yes. Like Judge John Hodgman. It'll be sitting in, sitting in repose. We'll be Judges Dan Morin and John Syracuse. And then we'll uh, – or perhaps I could be the judge and you guys can be the – for the prosecution. And the defense will have nobody because there's nobody but George Lucas who can <laughs> get, defend him. Get George him. Lucas on. He's available, right? Your, your Honor, the defense is a, clearly a CGI creature. Clearly. All right. Well, until next time, thanks to all my guests again. Thanks to you, the listeners, for listening to this crazy podcast. Uh, go out and see Tron Legacy, which is uh, out uh, – well, let's see. Crap. When, when is it out? The 17th? December 17th. 17th. Right. Go out and see Tron Legacy December 17th. Uh, I give it a thumbs up of a sort. Uh, three out of five? <laughs> four? Six? Three out of five thumbs up? How many? Yeah, exactly right. How many thumbs you got? Go see it. It's fine. You're geeky people listening to this podcast. Go see If you listen to the end, you got to go see Tron Legacy. That's your punishment. Until next time, for everybody at The Incomparable, thanks for listening. See you later. 
This has been the Incomparable Podcast. Thank you for listening. Visit us on the grid at theincomparable.com. End of line.